0: The title of this conference is Flights of Fancy to Great Apostasy. And what I'm going to be doing this morning is reading and commenting on one of the most interesting pieces of hate mail that I ever received at Catholic Family News. And I use the word hate mail loosely, you know, the guy's not full of hate, but it's just an expression you call it hate mail. And as we proceed, I think you'll understand why I'm taking the time to do this. Recent letter, stated February 8 2002. Dear editor, <clears throat> I've been researching the articles in your paper, The Catholic Family News, for about a year now, trying to determine where you're coming from and what it is you're trying to accomplish within the Catholic Church with regard to Catholicism in general and of the Holy Father in particular. With regard to the articles, Lucy and the Pirates, It Doesn't Add Up, Man with a Mission, and Memorare, you make it crystal clear that the main purpose, it, that their main purpose is to weaken and destroy the Holy Father's credibility. Okay. The sad part is that much of the paper's information with regard to Church doctrine, history, and private revelation is right on the money and makes for good and interesting reading. However, the insidious insertion of half-truths, questionable interpretations, misinformation, and the continuous counting of how many angels can stand on the head of a pin with regard to Sister Lucy is ridiculous. What you are doing is creating confusion, dissension, and obfuscation in the Church as a whole by implying that the Holy Father is incompetent. I doubt a good Catholic family would think that Catholic Family News is a periodical they should read. Uh, just to aside, we have uh, thousands of families who subscribe. But anyway, I noticed that beside yourself, Mark Fellows seems to be one of your main spear carriers in this subtle little attack. You have the image of you know someone with a knife between their teeth. You are also very adept at using left-wing liberals like Father Nicholas Gruner <laughs> and Father Paul Kramer To back up your discussion. Now, I'm sure this, I bet this is the first time these so called right wing extremists have been called left wing liberals. As of September 17, 2001, he wrote September, should have been November. Sister Lucy has again verified that the consecration has taken place in 1984, as the Holy Father has testified to. What more do you want? You and Mark Fellows wasted about 12 pages of the February news explaining away Sister Lucy's reaffirmation. I'll tell you what doesn't add up. The position taken by this newspaper do not add up, and here is why. Okay, so here, at this point, we are going to receive the clinching argument as why the position that we have taken is wrong. Private revelations by our Blessed Mother did not end with Fatima. They continue to this day. It is common knowledge that the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, is the pope chosen by our Blessed Mother for this time period. Read Father Gobi. It is common knowledge that in all our Blessed Mother's messages, her first order of direction is that you must obey the priest, the bishop, and the hierarchy, even if they disagree with her work. So if that is true of the lay people involved, it certainly ought to be true for the Father Gruners of this world who seek their own agenda. The Holy Father cannot err when he teaches a doctrine of faith and morals, or have you forgotten? It is common knowledge that Karen Sears and visionaries have said that the Blessed Mother has told them that she has accepted the consecration. Enough already. Our Blessed Mother has also said that for those who believe, no confirmation is necessary. For those who deny, no confirmation is ever sufficient. I believe that your article, it doesn't add up, falls in this category. One more thing. In the article, Man with a Mission, Mark Fellows criticizes the Holy Father's position on his interpretation of Lumen Gentium. Mark's position, from what I can gather from this rather verbose article, is that there is no salvation outside the Catholic Church. This statement is supposed to increase Catholicism, according to Mark what nonsense it just so happens that the Holy Father is quite correct in his interpretation and it comes from our Blessed Mother you can check it out as it comes straight from the Medjugorje newsletter by Wayne Wiebel I'm just going to quote our Blessed Mother's words when a priest questioned her how our Blessed Mother could intercede for the healing of a child of their despised ethnic enemy a Serbian this was her response Quote, tell this priest, tell everyone that it is you who are divided on earth, the Muslims and the Orthodox, for the same reasons as Catholics, are equal before my son and me. You are all my children. Certainly all religions are not equal, but all men are equal before God, as St. Paul says. It does not suffice to belong to the Catholic Church to be saved, but it is necessary to respect the commandments of God in following one's conscience. Those who are not Catholics are no less creatures made in the image of God and destined to rejoice someday in the house of the Father. Only those who refuse God deliberately are condemned. To him who has been given little, little will be asked for. To whomever has been given much, very much will be required. It is God alone in his infinite justice who determines the degree of responsibility and pronounces judgment. Sincerely, a retired U.S. major, a U.S. Air Force major, who will remain unnamed. First of all, I want to explain why I'm commenting on this letter. It's because there are very many Catholics right now who are in the same category as our retired Air Force major. So, I mean, I'm sure we all have friends who, you know, who talk to us like this. So the position he takes is worth discussing. Now, I'm not going to take much time talking about why we insist that the consecration of Russia as requested by Our Lady of Fatima has not been properly fulfilled. I explained it all in my article. It doesn't add up, which is not, by the way, full of half-truths. It's fully documented and, and footnoted. But really, all of that is secondary because I want to focus on what I call the clinching argument. Private revelations, he says, by our Blessed Mother, did not end with Fatima. They continue to this day. Stop. A couple of points about that. First of all, I'm practically certain that none of the private revelations he refers to have been approved by the Catholic Church. None of them. Whether it be Medjugorje or Conyers, Georgia or Dr. Mary Jane Even or the alleged apparitions at Bayside or The Little Pebble or all of those Mejigory spin-offs, such as Rosa Lopez and Teresa Lopez and John Leary, none of them have received canonical approval. And many of these alleged apparitions, when you read them, contradict one another. So these one of the main points I want to make here is that these unapproved apparitions can never be the center of gravity for a Catholic by which we judge and gauge everything else. Secondly, it is a common error to refer to Fatima as a private revelation, because Fatima is actually much more. It actually falls into the category of a public prophetic revelation. And this was confirmed by Bishop Rudolf Graeber, he's author of Athanasius and the Church of Our Time, and also by Father Joseph de St. Marie, one of the most eminent theologians of the 20th century, uh, who actually worked with John Paul II and they explain that Fatima is recognized by the Church as true and as such the popes, the bishops, the entire Church have an obligation to obey it. It's on a different level from a private revelation. So to equate Fatima with these modern phantasms that anyone with a minimum of religious knowledge could either fake or delude themselves into performing it's just not correct. Anyway, I'll go on with the Major's letter. It is common knowledge that the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, is the Pope chosen by Our Lady for this time period. Read Father Gobi. Okay? Now, first of all, it is not common knowledge that the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, is the Pope chosen by Our Lady for this time period. In fact, it is not even knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge is the, accept, the ascent of the intellect to an objective truth. So if I say that two plus two equals five, right, that's not knowledge. If I tell you that the tales of Peter Rabbit were actually written by Stephen King, right, that's not knowledge because it isn't true. And the statement that Pope John Paul II is the Pope chosen by our Blessed Mother for this time period is not knowledge. It is only the assertion of dubious seers. Now, if you want to believe that about him, that he's the Pope chosen by Our Lady, that's that's your prerogative. But you cannot tell another Catholic that he is bound to believe that. There is no obligation. Just as there is no obligation for a Catholic to agree with the dear pro-charismatic Mother Angelica, who says, someday they will call him John Paul the Great. And this is, because, this is because of the cold fact that the church over which Pope John Paul presides is a church in shambles. It's in ruins. Why is there such a thing as Catholic homeschooling? Why do thousands of Catholic parents at great personal sacrifice teach their children at home? It's because the parents cannot trust the Catholic curriculum that their own Catholic bishops are giving them, because the sex education is so perverse that, for example, a television and news, a television newscaster in Florida who was doing a story on sex ed, he could not read the Catholic sex ed texts on television because it was so vile it would violate FCC laws. And it's a cold fact that since 1978, when the Pope John Paul II took over the reins, all of this has gotten worse. See, it's the duty of the Pope, of the Catholic Church, no matter who he may be, John, Paul, or not, to protect the innocence and the purity of the faith, protect the innocence of children, protect education. Because there's only one man on earth who can get the bishops in line, and that's the Pope. Yet since 1978, everything in Catholic education has gotten worse. Sex education has gotten worse. Of course, as we heard last night the problem of homosexuality and pedophilia in the clergy has gotten far worse. And sadly, the Vatican and the Pope were aware of this, and nothing effectively has been done. Uh, In the early 1990s, a group of priests, including Father Charles Fiore, assembled a dossier on the ecclesiastical problems in the United States, and according to Fiore, the, the document was sent by Carrier to Rome, the document that the Carrier, rather, was a Polish-speaking priest who was a personal friend of the Pope's private secretary, uh, Monsignor Givas. He's now Archbishop Givas. Anyway, according to Fiore, Givas brought the file to the Pope's attention. The Pope examined the documents briefly and said he put them aside and said, I've told them and they don't listen to me. Which in my mind is just another way of saying, hey, what can I do? I'm only the Pope. Now, the problem of homosexuality and pedophilia in the clergy is well known. It's been known for years. We all knew about it. About ten years ago, two Dominicans, whom I know personally, Father Charles Fiore, who I mentioned, and Father John O'Connor, were literally drummed out of their Dominican order because they tried to sound the alarm against the problem. All of this has gone on with the Vatican's knowledge, the Pope's knowledge, nothing effectively has been done. See? And believe me, Pope John Paul II has shown himself very effective in causes in which he believes, even in the face of opposition. At the 19, I think it was either the 1993 or 1994, a consistory of cardinals, Many cardinals advised the pope not to go ahead with this program of apologies. Apologies for the Inquisition, apologies for the, to the Jews, and apologies for the Crusades, because it, it panders to historic lies, and it gives comfort to the church's enemies. It demeans the church. Pope John Paul II ignored that opposition and plowed ahead with the apology program, a time-consuming project that required dogged determination on his part, all right? Then there's the pan-religious meetings in Assisi, like the ones at Assisi, with the Pope praying with Hindus, rabbis, and witch doctors, uh, that gives the impression that one religion is as good as another, and it doesn't matter which religion you believe in. Again, there are those in the Vatican who try to talk him out of it. One curio official, who will remain unnamed because he didn't want to lose his job, He recently complained that the Pope had promoted pagan worship at Assisi and he said this is the curio officiant that the Pope will brook no opposition in this regard. Uh, The Pope is also very energetic in his activities against the death penalty, going so far as to personally telephone the governors of states. I think he telephoned uh, the governor of Virginia and Texas uh, to try to stay the lives of triple murderers on death row. See, but young boys who are raped, corrupted, ruined for life, that results in a scandal that disgraces the Catholic Church to the point where it seems it could never completely recover, this, he has taken no effective action against it. And it's why commentators, who are not necessarily traditional Catholics, and who are certainly not anti-Catholics, are looking at the Pope with tears in their eyes and saying, how could you have allowed this? Pat Buchanan wrote recently, I printed this in CFN, His Holiness needs to clean house. Pope John Paul II should send a representative to the United States to order the immediate retirement of any bishop who failed in his duty to expel pedophiles from the priesthood. If the Boy Scouts can have the moral courage to stand up to establishment abuse and reject homosexuals as scoutmasters, why cannot the Catholic Church Considering the results of the Second Vatican Council, perhaps it's time that the Holy Father called for a second Council of Trent." Close quote. Uh, interestingly enough, when the Wanderer printed that Buchanan story, it edited out this business, his remark about Vatican II. Uh, around the same time, a journalist named uh, George Neumauer wrote, quote, if the Pope wishes to restore credibility to the church in America, he must demand the resignation of derelict clergymen like, like Mahoney on their watch, and by extension, on John Paul's watch. The American church has become a playground for pedophilia. Now mind you, of course, the the problem of homosexuality and pedophilia in the clergy did not start under John Paul II, he did inherit the problem. But the sad part is, is since John Paul took over in 1978, all of this has gotten immeasurably worse. And I can just hear our naysayers throwing the scriptures at us and saying, Our Lord said, judge not, lest ye be judged. Who do you think you are? To which we respond, yes, our Lord did say, judge not, lest ye be judged. But remember, our Lord also said of the Pharisees, do what they say but do not do what they do. That requires a judgment. And traditional Catholic moral theology makes the classic distinction in its first principles that we may, we are allowed, we can judge someone's moral actions as being good or bad, Catholic or uncatholic, successful, unsuccessful, but we may not judge their moral motives. And that's all I'm doing here. I'm not judging the Pope or anyone else. I, I don't know the reason for his foibles and, fail, uh, and his failures, but we can judge whether he has been successful in cleaning up the schools, torching sex education, removing heretical theologians from Catholic universities and seminaries, removing bishops who spout heresy and protect homosexuals and, pedof- and, and pedophile clergymen. And in all of these areas, he has not been successful. Under his reign the crisis of the faith in the church has gotten far worse and that's why in Catholic Family News you see I am constantly uh, I'm constantly quoting Jacinta's plea at Fatima to pray pray a great deal for the Holy Father anyway back to the major's letter where he says quote read father Gobi, close quote now this is one of the most amazing statements in the entire letter you'll remember the main reason that he's writing is because he is outraged that we're insisting that the consecration has not taken place the major says that we are wrong the major says that our lady has said in various apparitions that the consecration has been done and then he instructs us to read father Gobi. why is this astounding because according to Father Gobi, the Blessed Mother has told him four times that the consecration has not been done. And I'm not a follower, but you know, I'll just read you what it says. In his book, Our, um, uh, in her, the Our Lady Speaks to Her Beloved Priest, Father Gobi told him on March 25th, 1984, quote, particular circumstances have not yet permitted the explicit consecration of Russia, Russia, which I have requested many times. May 13th, 1987, Father Gobi says, Our Lady said, quote, My request that con- the consecration, that Russia be consecrated by me, by the Pope, together with all the bishops, has not been accepted, and thus she has spread her errors in every part of the world. On June 10th, 1987, again, Father Gobi says that Our Lady said, quote, It will be moreover particularly important for the development of great events which have, have been foretold to you by me, if during this year there be at least carried out my request made to my daughter, Sister Lucia Fatima, that Russia be consecrated to me by the Pope together with all the bishops in the world. And then again, on May 13, 1990, quote, quote, Our Lady said to Father Gobi, Russia has not been consecrated to me by the Pope together with all the bishops, and thus she has not received the grace of conversion. Close quote. Now, as I said, I'm not a follower of Father Gobi. I don't follow any Of these unapproved apparitions but it was the major who practically in the same breath tells me that modern apparitions claim that the consecration has been done He tells me to read father goby whose lady says that it has not been done see this is one of the main reasons it is fatal to rely on unapproved private revelations to decide important questions you'll drive yourself insane to continue with the majors letter quote The first order of direction is that you must obey the priest, the bishop, and the hierarchy, even if they disagree with her work. So if that is true of the lay people involved, it certainly ought to be true for the Father Gruners of this world who seek their own agenda. Close quote. Now, first of all, and I think all of you know this, Father Gruner does not seek his own agenda. I know him personally. Unlike the seers of Medjugorje who drive BMWs, Father Gruner drives an old Chevy, works long hard hours, he lives humbly, frugally, and seeks only to remind the world of the full message of Fatima that the Catholic Church has accepted as true and authentic. And a message that still has, and I don't particularly like this about the message, but it still has the outstanding threat of the annihilation of nations if the Pope, the bishops, and the faithful do not obey Our Lady. So Father Gruder is seeking Our Lady of Fatima's agenda, not his own. His life will be much more comfortable if he just gave up that work, believe me. And secondly, it's astounding to me that the Major should preach the necessity to obey the Bishop without question, and then he closes by quoting Medjugorje, an alleged apparition site whose trademark has been flagrant disobedience by the Franciscans and the seers to the bishop the local bishop who has examined the apparitions pronounced them to be false and publicly stated that no pilgrimages should go there but we're going to talk about that a little later on the major continues quote the Holy Father cannot err when he teaches a doctrine of faith or morals or have you forgotten close quote actually that's not quite correct. Vatican I teaches that the Pope cannot err when he defines a doctrine of faith and morals to be held definitively by all Catholics. Look it up in Denziger 1839. It's all there. He is not infallible in every utterance or every elocution or even every encyclical. Even Pope Paul VI said on January 12, 1966, that the documents of the Second Vatican Council are not infallible because of the pastoral nature of the council. He said that, he told us. And the last time we have a formal infallible statement from a Roman Pontiff was by Pope Pius XII in 1950s when he defined, is the assumption of Our Lady, to be definitively held by all Catholics. See, and this is why at the time of Vatican I, John Cardinal Henry Newman of England went through great pains explaining that papal infallibility does not mean that the Pope is infallible in everything everything that he says and does. In fact, Vatican I's own teaching teaches us that even a Pope may not change doctrine or teach a new doctrine that is contrary to what the Church has always taught. When Vatican I defined papal infallibility it also taught with equal infallibility, quote, "The Holy Spirit was not promised to the successor of Peter, that by the revelation of the Holy Spirit they might, they might disclose new doctrine, but that by his help they may guard it sacredly, the revelation transmitted through the apostles and the deposit of faith, and might faithfully set it forth." Close quote. Vatican I also taught quote, the meaning of sacred dogma which must always be preserved, is that which our Holy Mother Church has determined. Never is it permissible to depart from this in the name of a deeper understanding, close quote. See, this is defined dogma, that a pope may not teach new doctrines, such as ecumenism, and that doctrine cannot change. And in in an interesting sermon on the subject, John Cardinal Henry Newman quoted a pastoral letter from the bishops of Switzerland, this pastoral letter, by the way, received the approval of Blessed Pope Pius IX. Now, the letter was obviously on the subject of papal infallibility, and it's also on what a pope may and may not teach. Listen to these bishops. Quote, It in no way depends upon the caprice of the pope or upon his good pleasure to make such and such a doctrine the object of, dogma- of dogmatic definition. He is tied up and limited to, to the divine revelations and to the truths which that revelation contains. He is tied up and limited by the creeds already in existence and by the preceding definitions of the church. He is tied up and limited by divine law and by the constitution of the church." Close quote. So the Pope himself is bound to teach what has always been taught. And if he departs from this perennial teaching of the church as the popes have done, for example, Honorius, uh, Nicholas I, John XXII, then we do not follow this, but we attach ourselves to the defined doctrine of the Catholic Church and the consistent teaching of the 2,000-year magisterium. This was the advice given us by St. Vincent Lawrence. What do you do when there are apparent contradictions? You attach yourself to what was always taught throughout the centuries. Anyway, the letter goes on, quote, it is common knowledge that Karen Seers and visionaries have said our Blessed Mother has told them that she has accepted the consecration by the Holy Father. Enough already. Our Blessed Mother has also said, For those who believe, no confirmation is necessary. For those who deny, no confirmation is ever sufficient. Close quote. So first of all, I've already pointed out that one of the so-called seers that the Major told us to read Uh, stated four times that the consecration has not been done. This is the type of confusion we get into with uh, private revelations. And secondly, for the record, it was not our Blessed Mother who said, for those who believe no confirmation is necessary. Uh, That uh, that line actually came from the 1945 Hollywood movie, The Song of Bernadette. And it was a line that was put into the mouth, not of Our Lady, uh, but of the parish priests and lords. Anyway, he goes on. Quote, Mark Feathers criticizes the Holy Father's position on his interpretation of Lumen Gentium. Mark's position is that there is no salvation outside the Catholic Church. What nonsense! It just so happens that the Holy Father is quite correct in his interpretation, and it comes from Our Blessed Mother. You can check it out as it comes straight from the Medjugorje newsletter. All right? Now, I've already quoted, uh, I'm not going to quote it all again, but I want to repeat the statement wherein Our Lady supposedly says, quote, the Muslims and the Orthodox, for the same reasons as Catholics, are equal before my son. That's quite a statement. So at this point, we have to spend some time focusing on the alleged apparitions at Medjugorje Because the quotation from Wayne Weeble's newsletter is not the only place where. The Medjugorje message claims that all religions are good and pleasing to heaven and that it's not necessary to be a member of Christ's One True Church, the Catholic Church, for salvation. Now this of course is religious indifferentism, the same religious indifferentism condemned by the perennial magisterium because it puts the religion revealed by God and the false religions invented by men on the same level. Cardinal Mercier called this a blasphemy, and he was right. So I want to read a few more instances where the seers, because it just gets better. Uh, I just want to read a few more instances where the seers at Medjugorje claim that the Madonna tells them that all religions are pleasing and acceptable to her. Question to Vicka, quote, from a, from a priest, I think it was, but it was an interview. Quote, there are millions of people on earth who are not Christian. What does the Blessed Mother want of them? Vicka, to pray. All people on earth are born with the knowledge of God in their hearts. Everyone has his own way to pray. The Blessed Mother is the mother of all people on earth. She has a mother's love for them, and her message, which is from God, is for everyone. Question, then it doesn't matter what name a person uh, may call God. Answer, there is only one God. It is man who makes divisions. Okay, that's one one quote. Uh, Another interview, Vicka. Uh, Question to Vicki, is the Blessed Mother calling all people on earth to be Catholic? Answer, no. The Blessed Mother says that all religions are dear to her and her son. She said it is we on earth who have made divisions. Don't I remember a scriptural passage where our Lord said, I have come not to bring peace but the sword? To divide husband and wife, father and son. But now we have Our Lady of saying, no, 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 no. It's you who make divisions. Alright. Anyway, another interview with a father, uh, Kraljevic. <clears throat> Ivanka says, one of their six seers, by the way, you probably knew that. The Madonna said that, re- that religions are separated in the earth, but the people of all religions are acceptable by my son. Question, does this mean that all people go to heaven? Answer, it depends on what they deserve. Question: Yes, but many have heard about it. many have never heard about Jesus. Answer: Jesus knows all about that. I don't. The Madonna, the Madonna said basically religions are similar, and probably the best one of all. "Quote: Our Lady, supposedly speaking, my son and I do not cut the cake where religions are concerned. You have put the walls, the divisions between yourselves." Close quote. Now, this religious indifferentism is so firmly embedded to the message of Medjugorje that Father Krojevic, in his book on Medjugorje, sums up the Medjugorje message on the goodness of all religions by saying, quote, "God presides over all religions as a king controls his subjects through and minister, through his priests and ministers." Close quote. Likewise, the progressive theologian, Father Rene Laurentin, one of the principal promoters of Medjugorje, and whom we're going to talk about a little later on, he rejoices over the pan-religious character of Medjugorje. Here's what he says, quote, a post-conciliar style, openness, and topicality. The apparitions of Medjugorje do not have a retro style. They are in keeping with post-conciliar pastoral theology. The Gospa encourages openness and ecumenism. Quote. That's what they call the Madonna of Medjugorje, uh, the Gospa. Now, thankfully, the Catholic Church has not abandoned us to these vagaries. We have a 2,000-year treasure chest on the teaching on the discernment of spirits that will guide us in judging whether a revelation is true or false. And all this can be found in the pre-Vatican II treatises of what is called ascetical and mystical theology. Uh, Tan prints two very good uh, texts: uh, Adolf Tancredi's *The Spiritual Life* and Father Garrigou-Lagrange's *The uh, Three Ages of the Interior Life*. Now, there's another terrific book on the subject too, by a Dominican theologian uh, named Father Antonio Royal Martin. It's a 1961 text called *The Theology of Christian Perfection*. Uh, it's a classic theological treatment of the subject. We're not relying primarily on the teaching of Saint Thomas Aquinas and Saint John of the Cross. And in the the section on extraordinary phenomenon, which is revelations and visions and that type of thing, Father Martin gives a seven-point outline on how we are to judge the veracity of a private revelation. Now, Medjugorje, of course, pretty much fails on all seven. But I want to repeat. The first one. I'm only going to repeat the first point. Quote: Any revelation contrary to dogma or morals must be rejected as false. God does not contradict himself. Close quote. Two sentences. That's one of the, that's the most important point. And here we see that the message of Metzgeri fails on the very first point. It contradicts defined dogma and that alone condemns it as unworthy of belief. The message of Medjugorje that all religions are dear to Our Lady and that Muslims and Orthodox are as equal as Catholics, it defies the teaching on sanctifying grace, which I just don't have time to to cover at length here. Uh, it, It makes a mockery of the Church's solemn anathemas against heretics. I mean, what Protestant, what Muslim would survive the anathemas of the Council of Trent? As far as Muslims, the Medjugorje message defies sacred scripture. St. John, the apostle of love, said, quote, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. as 1 John 1.22. So, and by the way, I'll just say now, every scriptural citation I give is, I'm giving it according to the mind of the church, how the church has been has interpreted for 2,000 years. I'm not just giving my own interpretation. It's always how the church interpreted it. So Muslims, Jews, Hindus, Buddhists, any religion that rejects Christ, according to scripture, is an anti-Christ religion. The gospel says they're all wonderful. All right? uh, regarding heretical religions, the orth, uh, such as Orthodox and Pro- orthodoxy and Protestantism, St. Paul tells us that the, that false creeds are the doctrine of devils. That's 1st Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4.1. So we see that the Mejigory message just, just fails on these points. Contrary to scripture, and it it's contrary to the infallible dogma of the Catholic Church. Now, you all know this, but bear with me, I have to say it again. There are three ex-cathedral, infallible pronouncements that there is only one true church, outside of which is the Catholic Church, I mean, outside of this Catholic Church, there is no salvation. Now remember, this is an infallible pronouncement to bind the conscience of Catholics. And the most forceful and explicit of the three comes from Pope Eugene IV when he defined ex cathedra at the Council of Florence on February 4th, 1442, quote, the most holy Roman church believes, professes, and preaches that none of those is existing outside the Catholic Church. Not only pagans, but also Jews, heretics, and schismatics can ever be partakers of eternal life but they are, go, they are to go into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels, unless before death they are joined with her. No one, let his almsgiving be as great as it may, no one, even if he pour out his blood for the name of Christ, can be saved unless they abide within the bosom and the unity of the Catholic Church. Close quote. This is defined dogma. Now the message of Medjugorje also promotes the religious indifferentism that was condemned especially by blessed Pope Pius IX in his 1864 syllabus of errors. Here, in accordance with 2,000 years of Catholic teachings, Pius taught that it is an error to believe that man may, in the observance of any religion, find the way of eternal salvation and arrive at eternal salvation. It is an error to believe that good hope, at least, is to be entertained of the eternal salvation of all those who are not in the true Church of Christ. And it is an error to believe that every man is free to embrace and profess that religion which, guided by the light of reason, he shall consider true. That's straight from the syllabus. Yet the same religious condif- the same religious indifferentism, condemned by blessed Pope Pius IX, is what's promoted at Medjugorje. And if you'll just allow me, I just want to give you a sampling of quotations from the official teaching of the Church and from the popes throughout the centuries that all teach that there is only one true Church outside of which there's no salvation. So here we go with the quotations. I'll just give it to you very quickly. Athanasian Creed, 5th century. Whoever wishes to be saved must above all things keep the Catholic faith, for unless a person keeps this faith whole and entire, he will undoubtedly be lost forever. Pope St. Gregory the Great, now this holy, now the Holy Church universally proclaims that God cannot be truly worshiped, saving within herself, asserting that all they that are without her shall never be saved. Pope Sylvester II, I profess that outside the Catholic Church, no one is saved. Pope Innocent III, with all our hearts we believe, and with our lips we confess, but one Church, not that of the heretics, but the Holy Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church outside which we believe that no one is saved. The Council of Trent taught infallibly in its decree on original sin. Without our Catholic faith, it is impossible to please God. Pope Pius VIII, it will be especially fitting to remember this firm dogma of our most holy religion that outside the true Catholic faith, no one can be saved. Pope Gregory XVI, it is not possible to worship God truly except in the Catholic Church. All who are outside of her will not be saved. Blessed Pope Pius IX, quote, it must be held as a matter of faith that outside the apostolic Roman Church no one can be saved, that this is the only ark of salvation, and that he who will not have entered therein will perish in the flood. Again, blessed Pope Pius IX said, quote, it is a sin to believe there is salvation outside the Catholic Church. Pope Pius XII, quote, O Mary, Mother of Mercy and seed of Wisdom, enlighten the minds enfolded in the darkness and ignorance of sin, that they may clearly recognize the Holy Catholic Apostolic Roman Church to be the only one true Church of Jesus Christ, outside which neither sanctity nor salvation can be found. Close quote. So, as I said earlier, Vatican I teaches infallibly that no pope has the authority or the power to change this doctrine, the doctrine taught by the ordinary and extraordinary magisterium, and also he can't change this truth because truth doesn't change. Now, I could have prepared hour, you know, another hour of quotations like this from popes, saints, doctors of the church, but from what I have just quoted, From what I've just said here, we can see that the message of Medjugorje stands condemned by the consistent teaching of the Popes. And sadly, this is only the first of many reasons why the alleged apparitions of Medjugorje cannot be considered as worthy of Catholic belief. I refer you to the declaration of the Bishop of Medjugorje, Monsignor Pavo Zanic, which he published in May of 1990. Now, of course, according to the multi-million dollar uh, Medjugorje industry and according to many Medjugorje believers, uh, this bishop is painted as evil, Uh, he's against the Franciscans, he's against Our Lady, but these are deliberate lies against a good bishop who did his duty, who investigated the apparitions, who set up two commissions within a couple of years of each other to study the events, and both of these commissions ruled that what was going on in Medjugorje was not worthy of Catholic belief. It was not supernatural. Now, of course, anyone who reads Catholic family know, news will know that I'm not saying the bishop is right because he's the bishop, but you have to do whatever the bishop says. No, <laughs> not, not, I'm not saying it for that reason. It's because Monsignor Zanuck and his successor, Monsignor Peric, they're correct because in their invas- investigations they have been fair, they have been honest, and they went about their investigation in a manner that conforms to the traditional method of catholic church and when you read these men too you recognize right away that you're not dealing with an archbishop weakland or a cardinal mahoney or a or a bishop utner or, or, or even a fabian brushkowitz i think the personalities of these Yugoslav bishops come through pretty clearly in their writings that they are calm that they are serious men who take a calm charitable, and Catholic approach to the problem. The bishops pronounced Medjugorje as unworthy of Catholic belief. They forbade pilgrimages to come to Medjugorje, but these bishops are completely ignored, including by EWTN. So in May 1990, Bishop Zanuck published an excellent little booklet called The Truth About Medjugorje. Now, one of the first characteristics of Medjugorje that the bishop complains about is the fact that the, pro- that the promoters of Medjugorje consistently hide the truth uh, regarding the falsehoods and the scandals among the seers. Now, here's an example that Bishop Zanuck gives. In 1989, there was a priest who came, to, who traveled to Medjugorje from Panama. And here, because of the scandal that the bishop felt duty-bound to relate, I'm going to quote Bishop Zanuck directly. Listen to this, quote, The priest from Panama asked me, Monsignor Zanuck, for the reasons I do not believe in the apparitions. I told him that I I have at least 20 reasons not to believe, of which only one is necessary for those who are sober and well-instructed in the faith, to come to the conclusion that the apparitions are not of the supernatural. He asked me to please to tell him at least one reason. I told him him about the case of the ex-Franciscan priest, Ivica Vega. Due to his disobedience by an order of the Holy Father, the Pope, he was expelled from the Franciscan religious order by his general and, and uh, dispensed from his vows suspend, and suspended Venus He did not obey this order and continued to celebrate Mass, administer the sacraments, and pass the time with his mistress. It's unpleasant to write about these things, yet it is necessary in order to see of whom Our Lady is speaking. According to the diary of Vicca and the statements of the seers, Our Lady mentioned 13 times that this priest is innocent and the bishop is wrong. But when his mistress, Sister Leopolda, a nun, became pregnant, both of them left Medjugorje and the religious life and began to live together near Medjugorje where their child was born. Now they have two children. Yet, his, yet Father Vega's prayer book is still sold in Medjugorje and, and, uh, and beyond in the hundreds of thousands. Now, it says the bishop says, I asked Mariana, who is the interpreter and the tour guide, to translate this into English. And she spontaneously responded according to the, to the practice of Medjugorje. Do, do we have to tell these ugly things? I responded, said the bishop, by saying that if she had not held back and not covered these ugly things, these people from Panama would have found out earlier and would not have to travel all the way to Medjugorje for nothing. It's an injustice and a sin to hide this truth. Yet supposedly, remember, the Madonna had told these seers 13 times that this priest was innocent, all right, and he's begetting children by a nun. Now, there's another uh, significant event that involves this poor, scandalous priest, Father Vega. I think most of you, I bet you most of you have heard this story. In 1985, there was a French cameraman who came to, to, uh, to Medjugorje, and he wanted to test the veracity of the seers. And as you know, uh, St. Bernadette, when she was in ecstasy, she was unaware that someone had stuck a hatpin into her hand because of the ecstasy. So the cameraman came into the church in Medjugorje, and while Vicka was supposedly having her vision, the cameraman made a V with his fingers and thrust it in, in, into her face as if he was going to poke out both of her eyes. Well, Vicka immediately threw her head back. So Father Vega saw all this and he immediately whisked, whisked uh, Vicka away into the sacristy in order to give her some quick advice. After this, Vicka explained why she jerked her head back. This is a direct quote. Vicar said, when I arrived in the chapel, I saw Jean-Louis. I saw all the people. But when the ecstasy began, I saw nothing except the Virgin Mary, who had the infant Jesus in her arms. And at that time, I saw that the infant Jesus would fall to to the floor. So I made a gesture to catch the infant Jesus, because he should not fall to the floor. Now, as J. Wallace Johnson would say, this is an explanation from desperation uh michael davies he, he it's in his book he has a good book on, on medjugorje called medjugorje 15 years after and um he says he has he has this video he's seen this now bishop bishop Zanuck goes on in his 1990 letter to explain that lying and hiding the facts is the hallmark of the principal apologist of the principal apologists for medjugorje especially Father René Laurentin. He talks about it. He said, Father René Laurentin behaves in the same manner. He asked why I do not believe in the apparitions. I told him to the, that, that according to the, the Diary of Vicca and the words of the other seers, the lady has been speaking against the bishops. Laurentin quickly responded, don't publish that. Don't publish that because there are many pilgrims and converts there. And then the bishop says, I was scandalized by the statement of this well-known Mariologist. Unfortunately, this has remained Laurentin's position to hide the truth and to defend falsehood. Uh, Joanna, could could I have have some water, please? Thank you. Then there's the business of the seers lying. They're just caught in one lie after the next. Now, not long after the apparitions, of course, you know they began around June of 1981, the bishop questioned the seers, and he he asked each of them to take an oath upon the cross and demanded that they speak the truth. So, and all of this is recorded on tape. Now, in describing the first apparition, the seer Mariana, I think that's how you pronounce her name. You know, he's describing, thank you. Uh, he's describing, you know, well, what was the what happened with the first apparition? Mariana said, "We went out to look for the sheep when all at once and the priest who was there, he said, "Hold on, Mariana. You act you told me later that you actually you, you went out to, to have a cigarette without your parents' knowledge, to, to sneak a cigarette. And Zanuck, Bishop Zanuck said, uh, Mariana, you're under oath. Did you did you go out to look for the sheep? And she said, oh, forgive me. We, we went out to have a smoke. Later, after that, she showed the bishop this strange watch that, where the, where the uh, hands had gone haywire, and she said it was some sort of miracle from Medjugori. So the bishop said, oh, "Well, okay." So he took it to the to a watchmaker, and the watchmaker said, "Oh, it's been dropped." So he took it back to to Vicca, and he said, "You know, you are not to say that this is a miracle." But later on, in a, in a conversation after that, a tape conversation after that, uh, I'm sorry, it was Mirana, No, it was it was um, it was Mirana Yeah. And later on, in the conversation after that, Mariana went on to speak of how a miracle occurred with the watch and how initially they had gone out to look for the sheep. You know? So they're just, they're just lying. The Bishop also asked Vega about chaplains from the city of Mostar. And uh, Vick insisted for whatever reasons that she didn't know these chaplains. Uh, later on, the Bishop learned from Vicka's diary that all six of the seers knew these chaplains and knew them well. See, so it was clear that they were lying. One case after another uh, of, of the, the seers being caught in lies. Then there's the arrogance of the seers. Now listen to this. This is from a taped interview between Vicka and a priest named Father Greffenauer. Father Greffenauer quote, the bishop, is, has the, the bishop has the duty to judge whether or not this is Our Lady, Vicca. He can judge as he wants. I know it's Our Lady. The priest. The church says of those who are confident in themselves that this itself is a sign that Our Lady is not in question here, Vicka. Let those who are doubtful remain doubtful. I'm not, a little snot. <laughs> well, vicar and these dubious seers better become doubtful and quick, because there are episodes where there are some souls who believed in these seers and have paid the price of their life. Bishop Zanuck tells the story of a, of a case in 1984 that was told to him by an archbishop who was at the hospital with, where the sad event took place. There was a man named Marco Blasevic from Mostar, who was gonna go in for an operation. And uh, this man going in for the operation uh, told the Archbishop and many others there that Our Lady at Medjugorje, that is through the Sears, huh, had, promised, uh, an, an uh, had promised that the operation would succeed. And a nun who assisted in the operations wrote to Zanuck afterwards that the, the daughter and the wife of this man spoke with a kind of fanatical belief in Our Lady's promise and even one of the doctors became convinced that it was true but after the operation, the patient never woke up the man died now this was a scandal and Bishop Zan explains that afterwards quote Father Vlasic in his typical fashion of hiding the truth succeeded in convincing the daughters of the late Mr. V- uh, Blazefik to go to the Bishop Zanuck and tell him that Our Lady had only told them to pray that she had not promised them that the operation would succeed. I told her, said the bishop, not to make a liar out of her late father and others to whom he spoke." Well, I was quote, now, the next two are really heartbreaking. There's a lot of these, but I just have two here. In 1981, a child from Grood who was suffering from leukemia was promised an unconditional and certain cure through the Sears. Child died before the end of the year. In 1983, and this is even worse, a doctor of a young girl suffering from cancer, uh, this doctor advised an operation and the removal of her breast. The young girl consulted the seers at Mejigori, who supposedly spoke to the Virgin and replied, the, the, the response came, that there was no need for an operation. And that same young girl died on September 24th that year after an agonizing pain. And other reported cures of Medjugorje Here's what Bishop Zanuck related in his his 1990 statement. He said, quote, there has been mentioned 50 miraculous healings, then 150, then 200, then 300, so on. Father Laurentin chose 56 dossiers and sent them to the medical bureau at Lourdes. Now you know he would have chosen the best of the best to send to Lourdes. The doctorate lords responded in their bulletin of April of 1986 that these dossiers have practically no value, have no practical value and they cannot be used or considered as serious proofs of the apparitions of Medjugorje. Close quote further. There's the prophecies of Medjugorje that never happened. Bishop Zanic complains that a number of, uh, Bishop Zanuck complains of a number of these, but I'll just mention one. The seer, his name is Ivan, he wrote on May 9th, 1982, In June a sign shall occur. Of course June came and went, nothing happened, and there's a lot of these. Also Our Lady failed to predict that horrible war that broke out uh, in in that area. It it took them completely by surprise. Now one of the arguments commonly heard in favor of Medjugorje and other of these apparition sites is the conversions and the alleged increased devotions of those who go to Medjugorje or, or those who learn about it. And the argument, is, the argument runs, well, our Lord said, by their fruits you shall know them. And Medjugorje has produced so many good fruits in the way of conversions and devotions, so it has to be true. All right, well, this is actually putting the cart before the horse. See, many people think that the first fruit of an alleged apparition that we look for is the changed lives of those people who believe in it. See? But that's not correct. The first fruit of an alleged apparition that we look for is whether or not it speaks the truth, whether it delivers a message that conforms to what the Church teaches or not. This is the first fruit we have to look for, and it's here, of course, as I pointed out earlier, where Medjugorje fails. Um, A Jesuit theologian named Father Jean Guilleau, he wrote in the 1980s in the Rome-based Jesuit magazine, Civilità Cattolica, quote, It is not sufficient to use the spiritual fruits alone as the criterion to judge the authenticity of the apparitions. Cases are known in which conversions have been substantiated, but in which the pretended apparitions have later been rejected by the authority of the Church without serious foundation. So the conversions happen even though the apparitions proven to be a fraud. Now, we have seen this. We can see it it right in front of us. Take, for example... Three modern unapproved apparition sites. Palmer de Troy in Spain, the alleged apparitions at Bayside, the alleged apparitions at Medjugorje. All of these so-called apparitions have brought souls back to the ch- into the Catholic Church more or less. All three of these so-called apparitions have increased the devotions of many Catholics all three of these so-called apparitions claim mirac- miracles and miraculous healings, you know, doctor's testimonies and everything, and all three of these, sooner or later, contradict Catholic doctrine. Do you remember uh, Our Lady at Bayside instructing us to pray for the souls in hell? Uh, not to mention the, other, the, the specific prophecies of Bayside that were never fulfilled. And all three of these so-called apparitions have messages that contradict one another. The message is decidedly pro-charismatic. It is heavily promoted by charismatics. The Seers at one point early on asked if the charismatics should continue to meet in that parish, and supposedly Our Lady answered, Not only in this parish, but in every parish in Yugoslavia. Uh, by contrast, the alleged apparitions at Bayside has the same Blessed Mother stating that the charismatics are from hell. Right. And in the message of Palmer to Troy, the so-called seer Clemente, after a few years, claimed, this is right after the death of Paul VI, that Christ had made him Pope. And he goes under the name Pope Gregory Seventeenth, creating cardinals and convoking councils and everything. I mean, it's right out of evil and wall. I mean, I always jokingly say that if some alleged uh, apparition from heaven told me that I was now Pope, I would accept the office only if I, I if I could go under the name Pope Innocent the Most. <laughs> so I'll let you know if that happens. Now, I know four Catholics who went to Palmer, Detroit. Now, this was when Clementi was an arch was, was a bishop because he had been uh, consecrated a bishop by Archbishop Tuck. Um, and these four men that they went there and they told me that they have never seen such Catholic intense devotion in their lives, Rosary, Tridentine Mass. They said it was just, they understand why Archbishop Tuck was just swept away by it because the devotion is, is there was so powerful. And also even if a so-called apparition site produces what appear to be miracles, if the miracles that are taking place are there to reinforce a doctrine that is contrary to the perennial teaching of the Catholic Church and Sacred Scripture, then uh, this phenomenon is referred to by church and by scripture as a lying wonder huh? because it leads souls away from the truths of Christ and as such it has to be rejected remember, sacred, sacred scripture has told us that the antichrist will perform lying wonders and it tells us to test the spirits so yes, when it comes to alleged apparitions it is true by their fruits you shall know them but as Catholic theology and sacred scripture teach, the first fruit we have to see before anything else is whether the alleged apparition speaks the truth. And if it doesn't speak the truth, then we walk away from it. We have to be like St. Teresa, the little flower, who said, I have a horror of anything phony. Right? Now, for, Med- for many people, Medjugorje is a sacred cow. Uh, But for a handful of savvy individuals, uh, Medjugorje is a cash cow. And this is done with the collusion of the so-called seers. Now, these seers, as you know, they they take their visions on the road. I I know of two Catholic speakers who spoke at a huge arena where one of the seers was scheduled to have their vision in front of the audience at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, it's right on the program. Come watch the seer have her vision. I mean, this is vaudeville. This is charlatanism. Can any one of you imagine Padre Pio or that noble little Jacinta Marto of Fatima taking their visions on the road? And one of the most scandalous of these visions on tour concerns an episode that took place in Alabama. It's around 1988, 1989, and one of the seers, Maria, pa, uh, Maria, she came to Alabama for 53 days in order to donate one of her kidneys to her brother, which itself, of course, is a laudable act. And living in Alabama at the time was a man named Terry Calafrancesco. He had just purchased a 90-acre property adjacent to his own land for $400,000. Now, there was a pine tree on that field, so Mr. Calafrancesco mowed a big patch around it and then contacted the seer and asked her to come and have a vision under his pine tree. And, please, and by the way, please do it on Thanksgiving Day. When people are off work right so reportedly uh, the seer asked the Blessed Mother if she would do it and the Blessed Mother readily agreed so on Thanksgiving Day she had her vision under the pine tree on this newly acquired property and the cars and the buses and the pilgrims have been coming ever since and as Michael Davies points out the Alabama Bureau of Tourism and Travel is thrilled now it's been said that the area of Medjugorje where the Sears live is now called millionaire row uh, I of course I haven't been there myself I'm going by uh, one of the authors that I read and this is why Monsignor Zanuck said that Medjugorje is quote the fruit of fabricate it is the fruit of fabrication fraud and disobedience to the church it is about big money and personal interests too. close quote now <clears throat> excuse me now The successor of Monsignor uh, Zanuck, Bishop Bratko Peric, he is equally adamant that there is no evidence of supernatural occurrences at Medjugorje. Uh, He was on those commissions that were set up by Bishop Zanuck that found the the apparitions to be false. And his opposition to the alleged apparitions continues to this day, despite the fact that the same bishop and his secretary on April second, 1995, were actually kidnapped by a pro-Franciscan mob and held in the car for eight hours before they were finally released. Now this is, this is all part of um, a long-standing parish dispute in that area between the Franciscans and the parish priests, who, who runs the parishes. And this has gone on since the 70s and before, and the, uh, the, the Franciscans have been ordered uh, out and they've, ob- they've disobeyed. And uh, so it's very helpful in this dispute, I think, for the Franciscans to have have the Blessed Mother on their side. Very convenient. Now, what about the Vatican? Well, Medjugorje promoters like to quote unsubstantiated rumors that the Pope believes and supports Medjugorje, and supports Medjugorje. But in response to this, the Vatican's Cardinal Pio Laghi said in 1988, quote, the statement you cite as a quotation from the Holy Father has never been published or officially verified. Although there have been many observations about Medjugorje attributed to the Holy Father or other officials of the Holy See, none of these have been acknowledged as authentic. Close quote. And then what I find what I find a surprising statement, it's a happy surprise to me, um, there's a statement that was published by the Pope on September in the September eighteenth, nineteen sixty six Observatorio Romano, where he was cautioning Catholics against being too credulous regarding all these modern apparition sites. Here's what the Pope said, quote, some members of the people of God are not rooted firmly enough in the faith so that the sects with their deceptive proselytism mislead them. Within the church community, the multiplication of supposed apparitions or visions is sowing confusion and reveals a certain lack of solid basis to the faith and Christian life among her members, close quote. And here, we see that in this instance, in this statement, I don't know if he wrote it or one of his speechwriters. I don't know. But in this statement, John Paul's words confirm, conform with the teaching of his predecessors. It's a good statement. Now the problem, of course, is that the Vatican is speaking with two faces about Medjugorje. It's similar to the situation we have regarding communion in the hand. In the late 1960s, when communion in the hand was being propagated and promoted and practiced, uh, by uh, uh, ecumenically minded priests and bishops in Holland, Pope Paul VI issued a document called Memoriale Domine where he came out against communion in the hand. Yet in that same document, Paul VI undermined what he had said previously. He said that where the practice of communion in the hand had, be, had been established, it could be permitted. Okay, So it just took off all over the world after that. So what we have there is we have Vatican giving a simultaneous red light and green light. And we have a similar simultaneous red light and green light uh, regarding min- the so-called lay ministers of the Eucharist. There's a 1973 document that uh, permits lay ministers for these vague uh, reasons of necessity. And then there's a 1980 document by Pope John Paul II that talks against lay ministers of the Eucharist but does not abrogate, abrogate the 1973 document that permits lay ministers of the Eucharist. You have a simultaneous red light and green light. It's chaos. And we see the same type of chaos regarding Medjugorje. On the one hand, the Vatican backed the Yugoslav bishops in 1996 by reaffirming the ban on pilgrimages to Medjugorje. But on the other hand, not long afterwards, we have a 1996 statement by the Vatican spokesman and Opus Dei member Joachim Novaro Valls, and he said You cannot say people cannot go there until it is proven false. This has not been said, so anyone can go if they want. And later on, uh, in that, in short, regarding the fact that pilgrimages were forbidden, Navarro vows pretty much took the Bill Clinton approach to this. Uh, Regarding pilgrimages not being allowed to go to Medjugorje, in so many words, Navarro said, well, it all depends on how you define pilgrimage. Father Laurentin said that too. Says, oh, sure, people must keep go to go to go going to uh, to uh, Medjugorje, but just don't call them pilgrimages. Call it spiritual journey. It's it's sick. So anyway, Novara vows is actually undermining the bishops of Medjugorje who have done the studies properly and who have determined that the apparitions to be false. Now, why is the Vatican equivocating on this? Well, there's a number of hypotheses as to why, but the two, in my mind, most compelling are, first, because the Pope has a genuine concern about the thousands of thousands of Catholics who would be scandalized if they learned that Medjugorje is a fraud. And the second, on the other hand, it could be because the ecumenical message of Medjugorje that all religions are wonderful and and pleasing to heaven is very helpful. To the present ecumenical orientation for ecumenism remember there is no church basis in church tradition for ecumenism Uh, that's why for example the vaticans 1993 directory for the application of the principles and norms of ecumenism in that document there are 198 footnotes 198 excuse me and out of those only nine are dated before the second vatican council And that's because there is nothing in pre-Vatican II teaching that supports ecumenism. Even Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, when he was Father Ratzinger, admitted in this hard little book of his called uh, Theological Highlights of Vatican II, it was written in 1966, he admits in a backhanded manner and without compunction that ecumenism has no basis in the gospel. So in my mind, it's in the post-conciliar church's interests, I think, to have an alleged apparition of the Blessed Mother that bolsters Vatican II's new brand of ecumenism, despite the fact, of course, as I said, the ecumenism is consistently condemned by the 2,000-year magisterium of the Church, and this teaching is beautifully summarized, if you don't have it, get it, in the 1928 encyclical by Pope Pius XI called *Mortalium Animus. And Bishop Zanuck, in a very frank letter of March 21st, 1988, lays bare his, frusta- his frustration of how the Vatican is equivocating on the issue of Medjugorje. Very interesting. He says, quote, Once this investigation was completed, we, that is he and Cardinal Ratzinger, discussed the possibility of publishing a final judgment. The Cardinal told me that those who defend Medjugorje were very powerful and that it would be better to have the investigation continue, continued by a commission appointed by the Episcopal Conference. Later, I understood that the aim of this plan was to preserve Medjugorje by not pronouncing a definitive judgment. You just, well, we'll deal with it. Well, this is an old bureaucratic trick. Watch, watch, yes, Prime Minister, it's all there. I have I have spoken to Cardinal Ratzinger and to Our Holy Father the Pope. They say it's best to leave Medjugorje alone for a while and then make a declaration. I remain the local bishop, but the Franciscans do not obey me. Neither do the Visionaries. However, of the 35 bishops in Yugoslavia, only one believes in the apparitions and defend them. The Holy See has asked me not to make a public declaration, but the Franciscans who propagate Medjugorje are free to say anything they like. Close quote. Now, to his credit, two years later, as I said, in 1990, Zanuck issued the document, The Truth About Medjugorje. It's a document from which I've been quoting. And uh, in 1991, the Yugoslav bishops did make a formal statement against Medjugorje, but these bishops are, as I said, maligned and ignored, especially by the multi 1000000000 dollar Medjugorje industry. I mean, these these bishops just spoil everything. And really, uh, the Vatican has, I mean, let's face it, the Vatican has really painted itself into a corner here. There is no way they will ever be able to rule favorably on Medjugorje because the Yugoslav bishops have too much damning evidence against it. But the Vatican is allowing the problem to fester, and as a result, good Catholics are divided amongst themselves. I'm sure this major who wrote me this letter is a good man, trying to do the right thing. But these dubious apparitions are flights of fancy that lead to apostasy. Because, as I think this audience knows, ideas have consequences. And let's take a look at the consequences of the ecumenical message of Medjugorje that all religions are good and pleasing to heaven. Let's take a particular example. Let's take a look at how it applies to present-day Judaism. Now, if Medjugorje and today's Vatican II ecumenical orientation claim that the religion of the synagogue is a legitimate means of salvation, then scripture and church teaching are going to have to be reinterpreted in order to fit this new orientation. This is the new ecumenical theology that was spawned at Vatican II that Thomistic theologians like Father David Greenstock uh, were warning against in 1963. I talked about that in the last CFM. And the latest example of this reprocessing of Catholic dogma is found in a November 2001 study published by the Pontifical Biblical Commission and endorsed by Cardinal Ratzinger. We have a huge study on this um, on this document uh, written by Attila Gomaras that's going to be in the May Catholic Family News. I'm telling you, don't miss it. It's terrific. The document is called The Hebrew People and Its Holy Scripture in the Christian Bible. Now in this document, the Vatican now says that modern-day Jews are justified to wait for their Messiah, that is to live their lives as if Christ doesn't exist, the, gospel, the, the, the document says that the gospel account, in so many words, they don't really say this openly. I mean, it's not, sometimes it's blatant, sometimes it's there. There's, there's no other conclusion you can draw. They say that the gospel account of our Lord's opposition, opposition to the Jews was probably not really true, but it was colored and slanted by gospel writers like Matthew, who lived uh, after the time of Christ, Uh, in a time of of conflict with the Jews. So this would have skewed his writing, and he would have written things that made it look like our Lord was against the Pharisees. Um, Now, this, of course, uh, defies Catholic dogma on the inerrancy of Scripture, and it's also textbook modernism. This Pontifical Biblical Commission document takes a complete modernist approach uh, to Scriptures. It also says, listen to this, that the Old Testament prophecies that point to Christ can have another interpretation that have nothing to do with Christ. And this is the interpretation that's given by present-day Jews. And then uh, these interpretations that steer these prophecies away from Christ, the document says the Catholics should learn and benefit from these interpretations, the richness of their tradition. (laughs) Um, This is a blatant contradiction of our Lord's words to the Jews when he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have life everlasting, and it is they that bear witness to me." He didn't say, hey, you can probably find some nifty interpretations that have nothing to do with me, and I really encourage you to do it. No, he said, they have nothing to do with me, I mean, it is they that bear witness to me, and you are not willing to come to me that you have life. That's in John 5, 9, 10. The Vatican document, and this has been going on for a while, also claims, contrary to 2,000 years of church teaching, that our Lord did not supersede the old covenant of Judaism with the new, that both covenants, they're they're equal covenants with God. Now, this is contrary to scripture where St. Paul writes that Christ's new covenant has made obsolete the former one. That's Hebrews 8.13. So the Vatican document tells Jews in so many words that they are free to reject Christ and to live their lives as if Christ doesn't exist. And if Jews are free to reject Christ, then Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, African snake worshippers and witch doctors, they are also free to reject Christ. And there's nothing left for us to do but gather at Assisi and all of us can pray to our gods for peace. This is apostasy. And it has to be resisted. And in my opinion, if you want to know why the devil promotes apparitions like Medjugorje, I'll tell you what I think is the main reason, along with eclipsing Fatima. Again, this is a personal opinion, because these apparitions like Medjugorje that claim that all religions are pleasing to heaven, coupled with the apparitions that practically canonize Pope John Paul II while he's still alive, and claim implicitly that anything he says or does is infallibly true and beyond Uh, uh, beyond reproach and can't be questioned because he's the Pope especially chosen by Our Lady for these times then you end up with massive blocks of Catholics by the tens of thousands who will not resist the present ecumenical orientation. You have an entire army of Catholics who are taken out of the battle. Tens of thousands of Catholics have been neutralized away from a healthy Catholic resistance because of these dubious, alleged apparitions and as one priest wrote about false revelations and the reasons for them he says quote the devil will often persuade us to do something good so that he will can prevent us from doing something better. So let our critics say what they may, our allegiance first and foremost our entire center of gravity must be the infallible dogmas of the Catholic Church and the traditional teachings that flow from them. Alleged apparitions can deceive us, as St. John of the Cross warned. Our priests can fail, and many have. Our bishops can fail, and many have. Even popes can fail, as has been taught by St. Robert Bellarmine, St. Alphonse Liguori, Cardinal Juan de Turcomata, Pope Innocent III, and many other pope saints and doctors. Yet the infallible dogmas of the Catholic faith cannot fail. That's what the word infallible means. Infallible, unfailable, cannot fail. And this is what has to be our center of gravity to attach ourselves to the infallible dogmas of the Catholic Church and the traditional teachings that flow from them. This is the gauge by which we must judge everything else if we wish, as the Athanasian Creed admonishes us, to preserve the faith whole and entire. Thank you for your patience.